0: Thank you for choosing the Abide College Ministry podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message inspires and challenges you. Now here's a message from one of our leaders, Blake Fine. Again, I'm super, super thankful that you're here. And so as we get rolling, what I want to do is I want to just kind of propose an idea to you. And what I want you to do is is I want you to begin to think to a moment in your life or, or a place in your life or maybe right now, where you had the opportunity or the chance to quit something, right? Like there's something going on in your life that you really, honestly, you would like to quit. You would like to, like, leave it behind you, and it may be a job, it may be a relationship, it may be whatever, a number of things, and you feel like your life would be much easier if you were able to quit that thing, right? So for me, when I was in high school, I began to play football in the 10th grade, um, and I was not a linebacker or a lineman or anything like that. My stature does not support that. Um, I was the kicker, and the story I'm about to tell, some of you have made, may have heard of it. Um, in Cordial, uh, this story is very famous because I got made fun of a lot for it, so here we go. So this story goes like this. I started playing football in the 10th grade, and uh, like I said, I was the kicker. I played soccer all my life, so I was like, I saw facing the Giants. I was like, I could do that. Like, that's easy. And so I uh, decided to join the team, and um, I was the starting kicker somehow. I taught myself how to kick footballs. And um, so throughout the season, I did okay. Um, I missed a few kicks here and there, and then um, we would get to these different games. And, and I remember a few games uh, that we had where we would win by, like, one or two points. And, like, extra points matter in high school football because a lot of schools don't have a kicker. And so um, when those teams would miss their kicks, and I made mine, I was like, oh, shoot, like, I feel good about myself. I, like, I'm on the back of the bus, like, yes, like, I was a part of, like, helping the team win. But really, like, in reality, nobody ever gives the kicker any credit, especially not on extra points. And so we make it through the season, and we uh, somehow squeeze out a four seed in the playoffs. So the four seed, if you're four seed, you got to play the one seed. And so we make our way to this first-round playoff match or a game. Um, and so we get there, and let me tell you, it's against Burke County. And so I'm from South Georgia, an hour below Macon, which is pretty warm for the most part. It doesn't get really cold. And where we were at, it was like 12 to 15 degrees. And so we're out there, and, and I don't like cold weather. And so it was freezing. And like, if any of you play sports, like doing things in the cold is much more difficult, like getting loose and things like that. And so we're out there, and I'm warming up, and, and for some reason, I could kind of just feel like this was not going to go well for me. I don't know, like, thinking back on it, I was like, I ah, just, I don't know about this. And I think I was, I was really nervous at first, and so I'm out there, and uh, we, we begin the game, and we're back and forth with this team, the one seed. We're trying to pull off the underdog win, like David and Goliath. And so we get down, we, we score, and so it's like, all right, let's go for the extra point. So I go out there, line up, uh, snap, hold, I kick it. I've left, and I missed it, I right, and so then we, we're like, okay, it's early in the game. We'll be good. It's fine, and so we get back. We keep playing. We keep battling. I'm on the sideline. I'm not really battling, but, like, I'm watching, and uh, so they're out there and um, uh, playing, and then we score again, and this coach is like, hey, let's let's go for two so we can kind of, like, figure out, like, where we need to go from here in the game. And so I was like, good with me. I don't really want to screw up again. So uh, we we, we don't get the two-point conversion, so it puts us in a really tight spot where it's going to be like, okay, we're going to have to make a kick near the end of the game more than likely if we're going to win because we blocked. We actually blocked their extra point. So my kick at the time didn't really mess us up any. And so we finally get to the fourth quarter, and we're in the fourth quarter, and we drive down the field, and we score, and we have the opportunity to tie the ball game. And I get out there... Snap, hold, dying duck, kick. Terrible, I missed it, and we end up losing the game. And I can remember walking off the sideline, I'm like, I can feel like tears welling up. And if any of you have played sports, like the opportunity to be the hero is like the thing that you want most, right? And like, I had that opportunity, it was like right there, and I choked. Um, It was a long ride on the bus back home. I remember just crying and crying and crying. And at that moment, I was like, I'm not gonna quit, like I gotta keep pressing on. And so we make it to, through the summer workouts to the next season. We actually transitioned into a new coach. And so this coach had heard about all these things. And he wanted to give me an opportunity to like prove myself right. And so we get out there to the first game of the season. We score. I go out there. And when I miss those kicks, it messed me up mentally. Um, and so I get out there, first game of the season, the year after, we lose the playoffs because of me. I know it's my fault, whatever. And so I go out there, and we um, score. Six to zero, snap, hold, I missed it again. And for the next three games, like that was my one opportunity to be like, okay, this like only happened once, don't let it happen again. So for the next three games, this was so embarrassing. We did not kick any extra points. We went for two every single time we scored because they had no faith in me. And I remember at a point, like after about the second game, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like, this is embarrassing. I go to practice, I go to workouts, I do all the things that I'm supposed to do, and I don't get to get in the game, and then I remember being on the phone with my brother, I was like, I'm, I gotta quit, I was like, I really, really want to quit, and then, and then I, like, as I thought through it, I was like, but I'm not going to, I was like, they can't make me quit, and what's crazy about, like, quitting is it's something that's very, like, easy to do, right, quitting is the easiest thing you can do, and, and especially in, in our culture, like, not quitting, and pressing on, and being disciplined, and, like, being that person that perseveres is what we all aspire to, right? We all want to be that person, but in our culture, it's not very like prevalent. To be honest with you, I was, I was kind of reading up on this, and two examples I'll kind of give you on this idea. The first is divorce rates, for instance. Like, so my parents are divorced. In our culture, quitting in relationships is a thing. Um, this is a crazy statistic. Listen to this. There is one divorce every 36 seconds, 2,400 a day, um, 16,800 a week and 876,000 a year. That's a lot of quitting. That's a lot of giving up. And I know there are reasons that people get divorced and there are different things that happen, but for the most part, a lot of people are just natural quitters. Um, and that's a crazy thing. Here's another stat. 42 to 45% of like first marriages end in divorce. And I promise tonight we're we're not talking about relationships, but like it's just an example. And the second example is this. Um, When I typed in on Google, I typed in statistics on people that quit. And so I thought, of course, they've done some kind of study. And the first thing that popped up was this article. And the article was from this business, uh, I don't blog or something like that. And it said this, um, more people are quitting their jobs than ever before. More people are quitting their jobs than ever before. And then this next stat, in 2018, 3.5 3.5 million people quit their jobs last year. That's insane. That's a lot of quitting. And so it's this idea that like, quitting is very, very prevalent in our culture. And quitting is something that comes naturally. I believe like, for, for most of us, like, we're natural quitters. Like, how many of you made some New Year's resolutions that you swore you were going to stick to, and about four or five weeks after the New Year like, passed, you weren't doing that anymore? Like, for me, I got this gym membership that I've been to about five times. And so, like, it's this natural thing for us to, like, we start something, we start something, we get rolling, but what do we do? We, we quit, and we stop, and we don't keep moving forward. And, and for us, the reason that I think this is, like, really important and something that we need to focus in on is that if we quit in all things, what's to say we wouldn't quit in our faith? What's to say we wouldn't quit in our walk with Jesus? And many of you tonight probably have found yourself in a place where you're ready to give up in your faith. You're ready to give up in where Jesus has you. You're ready to give up on what he's calling you to, but yet maybe there's something more that we can do. Maybe we can keep pressing on. Maybe we can keep moving forward. And and for me, I'm going to be vulnerable with you for a few minutes. So, like, right now in this season of life, I'm kind of like an in, in-between stage. And I, I ask God a lot, like, what the heck are you doing? I'm not really, like, I do not enjoy where you have me. No offense to you guys. There, there are just certain things that, like, have been going on in my life, and I just want to be able to get things rolling, and I want things to be different than they are right now. And, and I realize, like, that's not a thankfulness to God, but it's just this idea of, like, I'm kind of ready to quit at times. There are days when I ask God, like, do you really care for me? Are you really there for me? Do you really love me? And it's those moments where I'm reminded, like, this is not about me. And in those moments where you find yourself asking God those questions, and you find yourself in a place where you're ready to quit, what I want us to do tonight is figure out how do we keep moving forward? How do we keep pressing on? How do we keep doing what God has called us to do? And for us tonight, I think that what we can do is we can look in Philippians 2 and see what Paul writes on pressing on and continuing in faith and continuing in obedience as a follower of Jesus. Paul has is, is written this letter, and in chapter 2, like, it's this beautiful, like, beginning. So we've covered verses 1 through 11, and those verses are all about the humility of Jesus and the example that he sets for us, and him being obedient to the Father, and Jesus being exalted. And then we find ourselves in verse 12. And I'm going to read these verses uh, really quickly, and then we'll move into them. Um, It says this, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear, and trembling, So Paul begins, he begins by giving this instruction and this encouragement, what's he say? Keep obeying, work out your salvation. And, and this this thing right here, what I want us to recognize is that how many of you in your Bible above verse 12, it says lights in the world? Do some of y'all have that? Right? So how many of you is there, there's a split between verse 12 and 11. So like there's a paragraph split, right? So when, when they actually wrote this, when Paul wrote this, 12 is actually a part of verses 8 through 11 or 5 through 11, with however you read it. And so that's important for what we're going to talk about, because the reason we know that is the word therefore. And if you've grown up in church and if you've done Bible studies, people say if you see therefore, you probably want to know why it's therefore. And so when we look at this, Paul writes these, these words saying, hey, therefore, my beloved, keep obeying. Well, well, the therefore is the verses previous. It's the example of Jesus Jesus has set this example of obedience and humility, and then it says, hey, he's been exalted above all things, and he has been, uh, he's with the Father. And so then he says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation. So Paul begins, he says, hey, therefore. And for us, what this does is, is that the example of Jesus that are in the verses previous is what we have as an example. See, the, the, Jesus, the obedience of Jesus, the characteristics of Jesus is, is our example of how we're called to be obedient. And in verse 12, we see that. He begins by saying, in response to the, this great few verses that he's written about who Jesus is and the, the humility that he showed by, like, humbling himself under God and dying at the cross, we're also called to be humble and obedient. So he says, therefore, and that example that we have of Jesus is the obedience that we're called to. Like, you're called to the same obedience that Jesus presented in his life. You are called to the same obedience that Jesus presented in his life. And how was he obedient? He had the opportunity to quit. We read those verses in, where he's praying to the Father right before a few days, and he says, not my will, but your will. He has an opportunity to, like, not do it. And, and Paul says, hey, remember that, and so therefore... Obey. And what's beautiful about this is that these verses, if if we read them correctly and that they're connected, this means that our obedience is connected to the obedience of Jesus. That our obedience is connected to the obedience of Jesus. And what that means is this right here: that, that as you're obedient to Jesus, you grow closer and closer and closer to him. I think that that worship is good and prayer is good and reading the Bible is good, but I think that all of that falls under the category of obedience. And if you want to draw close to Jesus tonight, or in your life, or wherever you're at, find ways to be obedient to him. Look at what he's calling you to do. And and you see this, therefore, he says, therefore, be obedient. You remember what it was that Jesus did. You remember the way he was humble, and the way that he treated people. And we see that. And he, he says, in the verses way above, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Who did that? Christ that's what Christ did and that's the the humble obedience as a servant that that Paul is writing about here he's saying therefore I want you to remember that and I want you to look back at that and as you have been obeying and maybe sometimes you feel like you need to like quit or you want to give up don't keep working out your salvation keep being obedient why because therefore we remember what Christ did we remember who he is and, and our obedience connects us to Jesus. And so if you are in a place in your life where you feel like you're in a rut and you feel like you don't know where you're going in your faith and you feel like there's a place where you really want to get away from and, and, and you don't understand it and you really want to connect with Jesus, become obedient to him. Look at, look at your life. Think of all the ways in which you are not obedient. Become obedient. And I know that's a hard thing to do, and I know that's not simple. Like It's very difficult, but I think the first thing we have to do is recognize that. And I think the first thing that we really have to do is understand what is obedience. And so I've said this, and you may be like, okay, that's cool and all, but like, what is obedience? And, And I think this is what obedience is, and I want you to listen to this closely. I think obedience is this, and I think we're all obedient to something. We're all obedient to something. And obedience is this, acting upon what our hearts find rest in. Acting upon what our hearts find rest in, what is it that your heart finds rest in, what is it that your life finds rest in, that's what you're obedient to. If it's a relationship, you're obedient to that. If it's a person, you're obedient to that. If it's schoolwork, you're obedient to that. If it's money, you'll be obedient to that. Whatever it is that your heart finds rest in and you think your heart can find peace in, that is where your, your obedience will lie. That's where your obedience will turn to. And, and I think that when we are obedient, we lean into this opportunity to live out in faith. That faith is this idea that we don't know what's going to happen, but we have something to trust in regardless. That we don't know if things are going to get better. We don't know if if things are going to be the way we want them to. And things may go completely opposite of the way we want them to. But yet faith is this call to our lives to look at Jesus and say, he was a humble servant, and he was humble and obedient to the will of his Father, and so we must also be. See, faith is this understanding that the present moment the moment that we're in right now, the moment where you want to quit, the moment where everything has gone differently than you had planned, and you say that pales in nothing comparison to what's to come. Future glory and future grace. See, future glory is the time that's coming that that we can look forward to. It's the promise that we get to lean into that we will be exalted with Christ one day. And future glory is praising and worshiping God Almighty. And this is what Paul begins with. He says, hey, therefore, remember, remember the example, be obedient to the example. That's how you you stay in obedience. And then he continues on. He says, working out salvation with fear and trembling, work out your salvation with with fear and trembling. And this was a weird like verse. And when I began to read about it, I I think this is simply what it is. Working out salvation with fear and trembling is simply intensified obedience. That as you have been obedient. So he said said to them, hey, as you've been obedient, keep obeying by working out your salvation. And so what I think he's calling them to is this intensified obedience, which means look at your life. Look at the ways in which you aren't obedient, as we've kind of mentioned before. And even more so, look at the things that are keeping you from being obedient and get rid of those things. Think about the things that are keeping you from being fully and totally obedient to the call that Christ has on your life and get rid of that. He says, work out your salvation. So how many of you, in, like, work out in here? Like, work out, anyone? Not many people. We're all going to get fat. Um, so working out is this thing, like, that is not that fun at times. So, like, for me, when I work out in the gym every once in a while, um, you get going. So say you're, like, bench pressing, right? And you're doing, like, you have ten reps you got to do. So this is how I work out. I'll be like, one, two, three, that's good. And so I'll stop like what the thing about working out is it's really easy to quit, but it's really, really hard to keep going and keep doing it consistently. See, working out has to be constant and it has to be consistent to get results. And for you tonight, you're you're working out of your salvation, figuring out like the things in your life that you need to get rid of. You're not going to be able to get rid of those things in one day. You're not going to be able to get rid of those things in a week. It's going to have to be this constant and consistent obedience to God, recognizing what it is that he wants you to get rid of, what he wants you to turn away from. It's an intensified obedience that that we get to work out of. And so, see, moments of working out are hard, but the results are very valued. When you were able to work out and you feel like you're making progress and you're able to go from running one mile to three miles in a couple of weeks, you feel really good. And, and that's what he's saying here is this intensified obedience is that working out of this, like, uh, salvation that we have is, is hard, but we're called to do it. It's this calling to be obedient. And he says, therefore, keep being obedient. Work out of your salvation with fear and trembling. It's this reminder that fear and trembling is this awe of God we look at God and we see him for who he really is. We see him as holy and we see him as righteous and and we see him in this way and that's the way in which Jesus saw him and that's how he was able to humble himself under him. He was able to say in those moments and those opportunities of quitting and those opportunities of temptation to give up and not follow through the will of the Father, he said, no, I'm going to do the will of the Father. Why? Because he also was obedient in fear and in trembling and that's what we've been called to. That's what Christ asks of us. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I want you to be obedient. Why? Because of Jesus, because of him being exalted, because of his goodness, and because you look at God the way he's meant to be viewed, with fear and trembling. And see, obedience is not easy. Like, I'm not going to, like, get up here and act like I'm this perfect, obedient guy, because I'm not. I know, like, I get up here and I talk, but to be totally transparent, I am just like every one of you. And I'm probably a lot worse than most of you. And it's hard. And, and, and it's, it's very difficult for us to recognize that sometimes. And it's very difficult for us to really lean into what God has for us. And so, obedience is not easy, but I think there are these two supporting things that we find in these verses that, that motivate us to obey and press forward. That, that in the moment where you're able to sometimes quit, or the moment where you feel like you're going to turn away from your faith. And, and for a moment, I want you to think to that time where you really began to question, do you really believe what you think you believe, or do you really care about God the way you think you do? Think about those moments where you've, you've been ready to quit. And I think we all have them, and I think it's okay. And I don't think that's wrong, because I think what it does is it strengthens us, and it grows us closer. And so there are two supporting things and see, when the opportunity to quit arises, we have to remember two things, a promise and a purpose. And what is the promise? The promise is simply this, that as Jesus was exalted, we also will be. That, that Jesus, and this is not some superficial exaltation. This is not some earthly, oh, you're going to get more in this life, or you're going to get better circumstances. No, exaltation with Christ is that in the end, we will be with him in the kingdom. We will be with him in glory. And that is the promise because we see this. What does it say? Uh, Keep this in mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. Listen to this. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him, highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, therefore, therefore is for us to remember that as Jesus was exalted, we can keep moving forward. We can keep pressing on because we will one day also be exalted in the end with him in his presence and his goodness. Philippians 2.8.9 shows us that, and this is, this is connected to our obedience. That's why I said those verses need to stay together. First Peter 5.6, it says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, that he may lift you up, that he may show you who he is. In Colossians 3.3-4 3, 3 is this beautiful concept of what it looks like to live this out. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The end game for us is not here. The end game for us is not a circumstance. The end game for us is not the things that we get. The end game for us is not a relationship. It's not a job. It's not your schoolwork. You should do your schoolwork well, but it's not that It's not anything that is here or present. It's not even the circumstance that makes you feel like you want to quit. That getting better is not your end game. Your end game is recognizing that as I lean into what God has called me to do, and I get to lean into that and be obedient to that, and remember the humility of Jesus, and as he is exalted, I remember that the promise that I have on my life is that one day I will also be exalted with him. And I think that's something we don't think about. We get so caught up in the day-to-day we get so caught up in the right now that we forget like it's not about us it's not about what we want it's not about the things that we can receive but it's about receiving the grace and the glory of God and giving that away until we meet him and that's good news that's something that we get to buy into and that's the thing that keeps us from turning away it's it's a promise But the promise for us is not for ourselves. There is also this purpose. And what is the purpose? The purpose, we can see this in verse 13. It says, for it is God who works in you. It's God working in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It doesn't say for, for Blake's good pleasure or for Tate's good pleasures or for Macon's good pleasure. It says to work for his good pleasure. See, it's all for God's purposes. And our greatest desire should be to satisfy God with our life. Our greatest desire, the greatest hope that you have is not for things to get better. It's not for things to get easier. I would even say maybe it'd be better if things got harder because maybe we would really understand what it means to be truly obedient. See, what we have to do is understand that everything that God is doing, every purpose that he has, every plan that he has is is an opportunity for us to live in faith. An opportunity for us to, to, to live in what he's called us to. And it's all for his purpose. It is God who works in you. It's God who's working through you. It is God who cares for you. And would you lean into that? Would you trust in that? Do you really, really trust that? Do you really believe that? Or have you been caught up in a Christian life that you think that you, you're doing it the right way, but maybe all you're concerned about is the right now and the earthly and the things that you can get. And, and I've been there, and I'm still there most days. And what I want to get to is this understanding that I get to live out of a promise and I get to live out of a purpose and it's not my own purpose and the promise is not for myself, but at the end I get to glorify God with everything that I have. And that's what we have to do. See, working out your salvation, continual obedience is supported by a promise of exaltation and glory one day and the purposes of God on our life. And those things support us as we're obedient, as we keep moving, as we keep trying, as we keep pressing forward, laying aside the things that have entangled us and pressing forward and moving forward to God's glory. And so that's what we're called to do. See, Paul writes these things in these two verses. He wants us to keep being obedient. Why do we keep being obedient? Because, therefore, he is who he says he is. He is good. He is merciful. And to make this super simple, this is what I want us to do very practically. I want you to recognize two things and remember one thing. Recognize two things and remember one thing. And you may want to write these down if you have a phone or a notebook, whatever. The first thing is this. Recognize when you are ready to quit. Be honest with yourself. Like, right, for me, I'm ready to quit right now. Totally honest with you. Like there, I'm, I'm very, very fed up with certain things in my life right now. I'm very frustrated. I don't understand why things are going the way that they are. And I want things to be different. I have to be honest with myself. Because I have to remember that this is not about my purposes, and it's not about the the hopes for myself, but it's about his promise, it's about his purpose. Recognize when you're ready to quit. And, And some of you, you may be ready to quit right now, and that's okay. That's just fine. The second thing is this. Recognize the places God is calling you to keep working out obedience and faith. Where is that at? Where specifically is God calling you to work out your faith? And working out your faith is that intensified obedience, looking at the things that you know you shouldn't be doing, looking at the things that you know are not a part of God's call on your life, and saying no to those things, putting them aside, one after the another. And faith, understanding that the circumstance we're in now, the present pales in comparison to the future glory. So we recognize when we're ready to quit, We recognize the places that God is calling us to keep working out our faith, our obedience. And this third thing, ultimately this, that that we remember this. this, I want you to write this down. I want you to remember this, and I want you to lean into this, and I want you to trust in this, not because these are my words or not because they're anything that I've come up with or anything that I've said, but they come from who God is and what he said about himself. Remember that we press on in our faith out of a promise and a purpose, that that promise is future glory and future grace. And the purpose is God's glory and satisfaction in that. Would you trust in that? Would you lean into that? Would you recognize those two things in your life? And would you remember that one thing? I'm going to pray, and the band can come back up. Over these next few moments, um, I know some of you have different things going on in your life. And what I just want to make sure that we don't ever do is we ever get caught up in the habit of doing church or worship the same way over and over again, that there's no movement of God or movement of the spirit. And so if you want to like stay seated, you can. If you want to stand up, you can. If you want to pray with somebody that you need to pray with, if you need to go to someone and forgive them for something that you feel like they've done to you, you do that. We must be a community of people. We must be a community of Christians that understand that this whole thing is really not about us at all. So I'm going to pray, you guys, I'm not going to ask you to stand. You do whatever you feel like God is asking you to do right now. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. I just would ask that you would show us who you are. I pray that we would remember your promise and your purposes. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.